Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 57 of I Wish You Were Dead, a podcast about things that used to be alive. My name is Mike, and that is Gavin, and this is not going to be one of our good episodes. No, no, it really isn't. Um, (laughs) So today on this episode, we're going to be discussing the movie The Velocipaster, which is even better. Can you say that one more time? Can you... Can you break that down? Like, what what word did you just say? So, uh, the word is the. Uh, okay, and then, not the word I was talking about. Okay, uh, but velocipaster, which is a pun on the words velociraptor and pastor, uh, for reasons that are way dumber than you're thinking. Uh, this is an excellent pun, uh, which I'll explain later. Um, or like like the origination of this pun because so this is a movie that came out in depending on how you count it 2017 2018 or 2019 um, <laughs> which, which I'll talk about a little bit more too um, but I will say very upfront so this movie is rated 16 plus I would so if you were not that age I would not recommend you go watch this movie there's really nothing <laughs> bad in it there's a little bit of foul language and then there is uh, a sex scene but people remain clothed the whole time you don't actually really see anything um that song they played during that scene though like that was i kind of the liked. soundtrack to this movie slaps so hard um and so so in case in case you haven't heard or in case you can't tell by now this is just going to be gavin and i just going back and forth on what is a bad movie and it, one of my favorite things is to watch bad movies with people yeah so, and so, so very, very clearly, though, I want to establish yeah. very early, I, I did not watch this movie before. Neither of us did. But, right, but, but I had this on the list for a while because I had seen it, I think, like, somebody mentioned it on Twitter or something, and I was like, interesting, I'm going to look that up. And then I looked it up enough to, like, have clicked on the Wikipedia page before and then not actually read it. But it's been on the list of podcast episodes for a while and so i hadn't watched it beforehand the poster is rather misleading as to the the budget i guess of this movie <laughs> um which i didn't expect which, it to be a high budget exist. movie right the budget didn't uh, exist, as far as i can tell for this movie right and so if you watch it on you can watch this movie for free if you have amazon prime or if you if you don't or, if, you, if you just have an amazon account you can probably rent it for like three dollars or you actually um, do not even need an amazon account as i found out you can watch mm-hmm. it for free on archive.org or there is um, also a version great. on YouTube as well. I don't know how legal that is, but <laughs> you you can watch this movie if you want to see it. And fortunately, it's only about an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, which is a nice length for we're gonna watch this as a joke, but we're it's not gonna take up too much of our time. So it's exactly it, it really fits. It scratches a couple of those itches. See, and it's actually a little convenient because I didn't really have to work that hard for this episode. And uh, yep. spoilers: next week's episode is gonna be pretty dense, but it was requested. Um, so they gave me a little extra time to put some effort into next episode. So, uh, hopefully next episode will be, uh, suitably good to make up for it. So if you aren't interested in learning about dumb movies that have even less to do with paleontology than you would think a movie called Velocipaster would have, um, then this probably isn't the episode for you. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we hold that we do not hold that against you it's all good no not at all this movie is absolutely not for everybody <laughs> <laughs> not sure who it is for except for you and me but oh liz also 
absolutely loved it. Uh, but we'll talk and about that. That's a why you're bit about more. to marry her. Exactly. So anyway, as per usual for uh, the more paleontology focused episode, instead of the history episodes, we have a today in history bike. Yeah, and uh, we went with a um, one that was a little bit less like politics focused, but again, a, a today in history. So uh, January twelfth in history in the year nineteen sixty nine. Very nice. The New York Jets, my New York Jets, won Super Bowl number three. That was the only Super Bowl they have ever won. It's the only thing we can cling on to. But Broadway Joe Namath says that he guaranteed a win. And on that day, they beat the, and he sure uh, did. the Baltimore Colts. Yeah, they they won. He was drunk when he made that uh, that guarantee. <laughs> but in 1969, the, uh, the Jets won the Super Bowl. And interestingly enough, the Mets also won the World Series, which, you know, that, same that could ever happen. That same year, yeah. Wow, so if that, great year If that could New ever York. happen again. I know, if that could ever happen again, you know, for the Mets and the Jets, I just, I don't know you what know, I would do, but as, I wouldn't have any more reason who, to continue living because yeah. <laughs> that's my whole purpose. You know, as, somebody, whole purpose. as somebody who likes to hate on the Mets, um, <laughs> but as somebody who loves New York, even though I don't live there anymore, uh, I would take that. If, if a Mets win was conditional on a Jets win as well, uh, I, I would be okay with that. Just... So that New York could brag about how great it is, like it doesn't do that already. But uh, yeah, I, don't know, I, would, I feel like I New York has kind of fallen behind the times to like Boston and Tampa Bay. Like, yeah, oh no, New I'm York just saying people people from recently. New York generally just brag about how great New York is to this everybody is who's not from there. Even though this is true, nobody that I talk to that lives in New York actually likes it. They'll tell other people that it's better than where they live, but they also will be like, at the same time, I hate New York. <laughs> It's a weird dynamic, but I know exactly it really what is. you're talking about. Anyway, so, the Velocipaster. <laughs> about five minutes into watching this movie, I text Mike. And all I said was, this movie effing rules. Because it does. Yep. This is the epitome of a so bad it's good. At least in my mind, I th- I think most people would just say no. This is a bad, dumb movie that shouldn't have been made. I I wouldn't go quite as far as you. I don't want to say that it is the epitome of so bad it's good, but it definitely it definitely is a uh, like a strong contender in that category of so bad it's good. So definitely one to put on the list if that if you're going for a bad movie. Yes, absolutely, and especially because it's only an hour. You know, uh, right. So this movie was written, directed, produced, and edited by a person named Brendan Steer. And so he was in film school uh, when he came up with the idea for this movie. And this is a direct quote from the Wikipedia page. The director thought of the idea in 2010 while he was attending the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, which is, you know, a very prestigious like film school. Uh, after his phone autocorrected Velociraptor to Velasa Space Pastor. Why did his phone do that? We'll never know. We'll never know. It was 2010. Phones didn't really know how to work yet. Um, <laughs> it said, as a class project, Steer made a short film of fake grindhouse trailers, uh, in- which included the Velasa Pastor. And he put that trailer on YouTube which he had a prior channel, but each video only got around 45 views. Uh, This one got a thousand times that, at least, you know, whenever 
in, in the time frame that they were talking about here. So 45,000 right. views, which in 2010 YouTube was not nothing. Um, and he was like, oh, I guess people would like this as a whole movie. Why not? Uh, <laughs> so uh, the budget for this film, I've seen quoted by various sources is anywhere from 35000 to $45,000, which... I, I can a, believe that. I mean, a that might be low budget. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say a low budget movie. I was talking to actually one of my coworkers who, uh, you know, is pretty into film. Like he wrote for a couple film websites previously. Um, and he was like, a low budget movie is like around $10 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow. This wow. Is, okay. This is uh, two orders of magnitude smaller than that. <laughs> so. Uh, we're going to go through a rough plot. Um, oh, Obviously, in case you haven't heard by this point, just like spoilers. I don't really like, I don't think it matters whether you no. watch this movie before or after or not at all and just hear us discuss it. Yeah. But just if you're the kind of person that wants to watch the movie first, now would be a great time to to turn off the podcast and go fire it up. Uh, we'll try and have a link in the show notes. Yeah. So you can go, uh, you can go watch that movie. Yeah, absolutely. And so also uh, earlier when I said that uh, this was depending on how you count it, either released in 2017, 2018, or 2019. So like I said, he came up with the idea in 2010, um, but he sort of premiered it in various places. So it was first premiered at uh, a screening of the B-Movie Underground and Trash Film Festival (laughs) on August 31st, 2018, and then released, you know, out to the, the broader internet in uh, August of 2019. So I don't know where they got the 2017 from, but that's what it says on Wikipedia. Anyway, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go through a quick synopsis. I'm mostly just going to read from Wikipedia with me interjecting every now and then because I took some notes on the movie about my favorite parts. And if you remember any of your favorite parts, Mike, feel free to chime in. So... Catholic priest, Doug Jones, witnesses his parents die in a car fire. That was the first, like, minute of the movie. And this is where, I know we're only a minute and a half in now, but this is where the movie got me because of, on such a low budget, the amazing special effects that were used. (laughs) So, yes. So... I had to like well, oh, actually, thing. actually, I, I skipped a thing because that's how the, the one on Wikipedia starts. My little synopsis that I wrote. So at the 22nd mark, before anything else shows up on screen, it says X rated. And then that's all it says on the screen for about a second. And then underneath it says by an all Christian jury. I believe that. Yeah. Um, which, like I said, this movie is uh, rated as I think 16 plus on however Amazon does its ratings. Also, uh, this movie sort of playfully dislikes Christianity. That is not the stance of this podcast. Just want to make that clear. Um, so the first dialogue was basically Doug waving to his mom and dad. Uh, like he gave like some little brief sermon, comes out, waved to his mom and dad. They wave back. And then it cuts back to Doug, our protagonist. And an explosion happens off screen. It cuts back to where the parents' car were or car was. And it literally just says, yes, where it should be. And it just says text on the screen. It says VFX colon uh, car on fire. 
Like literally, like that. It literally, yeah. The, the regular scene, but it's like they just moved the car, so it's just an empty street, and just over top of VFX car on fire, and which really tells you the kind of movie you're watching just right away. In case there was any kind of questions, like okay, we know what we're dealing with here. Well, and my favorite thing about that wasn't just that it was. It was at that point that I think I actually text Mike and was like, "This movie rules," uh, <laughs> but uh, so it shows that. Cuts back to Doug, him being like, Mom, Dad, no. Cuts back to the, the the text of saying VFX car on fire. It does that like two or three times. So it's like, <laughs> they, yeah, I mean. They're really driving that point home. Exactly. Um, and that's, that's the entire first minute and a half of this movie. And the very next line. So, so he's a priest at a, at a Catholic church. And so he comes back the very next line you know after it's Catholic, that. Catholic or is it just a, um, I or is assume, it just some sort of Christian well, denomination? It, uh, I assume that it's Catholic and also Liz who was raised Catholic also was like, yeah, most of this seems pretty Catholic. Yeah. I like, I, and it, it's, on the it's not like a great article, representation of it, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, 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 you don't say Gavin. On we'll the we'll get there. We'll get there. Catholic as well. So we can, we'll, oh, okay. we'll assume Catholic priest for the purposes of this video, but, or this uh, podcast, but you know, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> regardless, yeah, a priest. The, the very next line after his parents die, the, another priest, father Stewart, who we will talk about uh, a decent amount. It, the next, very next line of dialogue says, so your parents died, Doug. That's what parents do. They die on you. <laughs> yeah, real that's, that's the That's the next piece of dialogue. Um, so, oh, they're also seen drinking the communion wine at this point. Like, Doug is, like, drinking his sour's away with the communion wine, which Liz thought was very funny. Um, <laughs> yes, I, yeah, just opening up and, like, pouring it in there. Yep. Which, uh, okay, so this is what my notes say. Characters are seen drinking the communion wine, which my Catholic race fiance tells me is not what it's for. Um, I don't know. I've never really been to a Catholic church, so um, the but Father Stewart. I want to move on. <laughs> Father Stewart tells it's, it's Doug, been a little bit, and Mom, I don't apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, Father Stewart basically gives him the advice to go on a a journey and travel to find himself, and he basically says, "Go where God will not follow," and if you find him there then, uh, you know, he's, he's real or something to that effect. Uh, so he travels to China, which is very clearly not China. Um, it looks a lot like the woods that I grew up running around in when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know China quite well enough. Like maybe there's a part of China like, I'm sure. Like that. Yes. But it's like, <laughs> they returned to that in- same, that exact same spot of forest. They returned to that yes. exact same spot several times throughout the movie. And it is no longer supposed to be China. It definitely looks like they just like found a forest. There's nothing uniquely yeah. Chinese about this. It, so I it looks had that like same thought. It looks like it could have been Central Park, honestly. <laughs> um, so, oh yeah, it goes through the credit sequence while he's traveling, and it's literally just a montage of him in a car. the uh, The credit sequence is amazing. That song slaps so hard. Um, and it's literally just a montage of him driving somewhere. And then he gets out of the car and he's just in China. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. The word China scrolls across the screen so that you know that that's where they are. And uh, he optimistically just nods and says, China, and walks out of frame. 
Very, really, very oddly. Yeah. Just driving it home. Um, and then uh, he comes across uh, a woman that j- had just been shot with an arrow. She was running away from a ninja, which uh, ninjas, to my knowledge, are j- Japanese. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but, oh, I, I mostly, most of my notes are literally just quotes from the movie. Because this is a very quotable movie. Uh, we, Me and Liz watched it about a week ago. And we've just been quoting it to, to each other for the last week. Mm-hmm. So... But before he encounters the ninjas, he's holding what what I what I think is a compass. But he looks down at it and says, "Yeah, China yes, this... is east," yeah. and then just walks out of frame again. <laughs> I'm like, were, were you doubting that? Oh, there's a there's a truck. Oh, you know what? That's fine. If there was ever going to be an episode with a truck in it, I am into it. So, but this is an important part of the movie, though, when he's in China. And it is. It sets China's up the rest east. of the plot. Yeah. So. This this woman was running away from a ninja. She gets shot through, like through the chest with an arrow. There was an arrow sticking out of her chest. She falls and rolls down a hill. He holds like right in front of him. She or he picks her up in her arms and says, "Are you hurt?" She's wearing a white like gi or kimono esque piece of clothing, covered in blood, and he just says, "Are you hurt?" And I'm like, oh, this is the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, right. With an arrow <laughs> coming out of her chest, blood, you know, yeah. blood everywhere. Including coming out of her mouth. Like, she's yes. clearly, de- like, dying. Uh, she hands him a dinosaur tooth uh, and says, dragon warrior. And then dies. The The ninja who shot her with the arrow pops out of, uh, b- like, behind a tree or something. He gets scared. Uh, or Doug, Doug gets scared and, like, falls down a hill. The dinosaur tooth cuts him across his hand. He becomes unconscious and then wakes up back wherever his church is. He wakes up back in his church. So that is the opening of the movie, more or less. And the next line from Father Stewart. Father Stewart, you know, comes in, wakes him up. And th- this is a quote from the movie. <laughs> This is not any reflective of this podcast. So Father Stewart says, what did that Chinese say? Yeah, that was not, right. Not there, great. I mean, th- th- we mentioned the whole thing with ninjas before. Like, there's some casual racism going on in this movie. And you know what? I imagine it'll be hard to avoid that with a whole lot of, you know, bad movies. Yeah. We're not supporting it. We're not endorsing it. But you know what? That It's a thing that well, happened. Right, and and it gets a little worse. Maybe not worse, but it's, it it coasts. Uh, <laughs> to which to which Doug replies, "Dragon Warrior," and then Father Stewart says, "Hmm, how mm-hmm. Eastern." He just says, "How Eastern," and I'm like, and and then just leaves the room. Uh, there's a lot of really good comedic exits though that I uh, very well timed, and I I can really appreciate comedic timing. But yes, um, so Doug basically is having a nightmare of killing people and being hungry. And that's what he and Father Stewart are talking about. Um, he, he goes outside to catch some air, uh, even though, so he's inside clearly at nighttime. And then when he goes outside to catch some air, it is just broad daylight. Sure. Um, and then we cut away from Doug as he's sort of running around outside, out in the wilderness of some city. I don't know. So we cut away from Doug and we go to a pimp. 
Yeah, and this is like the next probably five minutes of the movie are you know probably the most crucial. You know, they kind of set everything else up for what's they sure do. So we we cut to a, a pimp named Frankie Mermaid. And why and is he called Frankie Mermaid, Gavin? So this is again a direct quote. I am I'm going to swear here, um, <laughs> not not badly, but um, so he makes one the the female lead whose name is Carol. Um, he says, "What's my name?" And she says, "Frankie Mermaid." And he says, "And why do people call me that?" And she says, "Because you're swimming in bitches." <laughs> um, so. Again, just continuing with the theme of what kind of movie this is going to be. So, yeah. um, he, Frankie, tells Carol that she's going to be working in the park tonight. Uh, apparently, that is the the place to make a lot of money, according to, um, to Frankie. Sure, who am I to question him? Um, so then we cut to Carol in the park, which I know to generally not be a great place to go uh, at night, but that's just me. And so she gets snuck up on by some kind of thug. And uh, he, or Doug, kind of, he sees this. And then suddenly it turns into a Velociraptor. Yeah, it's it's a real quick, just Very quick. So there, there's then... not a, yeah, there's not a sequence of it. There's no, like, real transformation sequence you just see him sort of screaming in pain i'm assuming that it's rather painful to turn into a dinosaur um mm -hmm. and the, the, there's a quote here between carol and the the thug guy who's gonna like mug her or something she just says he'll kill you referring to frankie and then the thug just replies that makes two of us not really sure where they were going for what does that, that mean <laughs> yeah does that mean like he was Again, gonna kill I, himself too no like, i don't know i think it's just supposed he was to be a dumb throwaway frankie? line but i yeah, thought it was very funny right Yes. Um, so Doug, as a dinosaur, Dino Doug, uh, attacks the thug. I'm rhyming, uh, <laughs> and uh, basically gets it gets you know him away from Carol, chews his leg really badly, and the the thug has has a pistol and is like shooting it, basically having to cock back the the top of it every time. But it's not like a revolver. And I have in my notes, I'm like, that's not how pistols work. Uh, <laughs> so. Doug kills this guy, uh, and at some point, a mannequin head, very clearly a mannequin head, just rolls by Carol, so Doug ripped off his head, uh, and then... Not be the only time this happens. No, it is not. Uh, Doug wakes up in a in Carol's bed, which was a twin bed, which I thought was really funny, personally. Yes. Uh, just because I'm like, that's a college bed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It looked like a college dorm room, except later people come in through the windows, so it must not have actually been a college. But, um, yeah, so he wakes up in her bed shirtless. She walks in very flirtatiously, and the person that he says to her is, Hello, my child. <laughs> um, she says many things that sort of suggest that they slept together. Uh, however, she was just referring to him turning into a dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, she was like, last mm -hmm. night was amazing. Like that was the, I think it was the first thing she said to him. Um, yep. She takes him to see the body because he didn't believe her. He doesn't remember when he turned into a dinosaur. Uh, so she takes him to see the body at literally the exact same piece of forest that they used for the China scene. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So Carol basically 
tries to convince him to use this to fight crime. She was like, you can do way more good with this than you ever could as a priest. Um, at which point she reveals to him that she was a, a sex worker, which he being a priest does not like. Um, and then she, she also says, uh, I'm also pre-med law, but people aren't nearly as surprised about that. Um, yes. Pre-med law. Pre-med law is what she says. And then later in the same scene. Is that a she thing? Says, is that a no, thing? <laughs> no. Um, and then, well, because later, a direct quote, she says, there's surprisingly low demand for hooker doctor lawyers. Which, yeah, I would say that's that's probably a, an accurate statement, I guess. Um, you think so? Yeah. Anywho. So Doug does yeah, not want to skip right over that one. I sure am. Uh, <laughs> the next scene, Doug uh, is, doesn't want anything to do with this. He doesn't want to fight crime with it. He still kind of doesn't believe that it, that it happened. Um, and so he's like, I, I need to go do my confessions. He's late for doing his confessions. Cause he's still, you know, a priest. And so, oh yeah, the this best is definitely, it's definitely Catholic because is... they're doing confessions. Yes, the best way I can describe the way he's feeling right now is kind of like Scott Calvin the morning after he's first Santa Claus. Where, like, <laughs> he has the memory of it, and people are, yeah. he, you know, the, the little boy's telling him and everything, but he doesn't want to believe. Like, he is choosing not to believe it and to continue his life in spite of, you know, the evidence until it becomes too much, which we see here at Confession. Right. So he, uh, and that, well, that's something that Carol brought up when she was trying to convince him to not be a, a priest and to, you know, fight crime with this instead. She was like basically saying, you know, if people like profess crimes to you or whatever during confession, you can't do anything about it. It's like if, if you know, somebody told you during a confession that they murdered somebody, you know, you couldn't do anything about it. You just let that. I think she just called like said something to the effect of you just let those scumbags walk away. She's like, you don't have to do that anymore, uh, which I don't know the validity of that for a priest. That sounds like a church thing. I don't know. Um, I can never keep it straight. Yeah, I don't know. But so re regardless, he goes back to do his confessions. And the first person at, you know, to go to his confession, surprise, surprise, is Frankie Mermaid. <laughs> and so very enjoyable scene. He, Frankie Mermaid is actually very charismatic. I think he's very funny. But during this, um, he reveals that... Uh, Frankie was the one that killed Doug's parents. Doug gets very mad and kills him. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just imagine the scenario here. First off, Frankie's smoking during all this. Yeah, he's smoking during the and confession. During confession, and he says he says in you know he reveals that he kills Frankie's um uh what's his name the uh, Doug. Yeah, thank you. He kills Doug's parents. Doug is the guy like. The priest, the one that is doing the confession. So he's confessing yep. to killing that guy's parent. You can imagine. Well, and he's like bragging about it too. He yes. was like, oh yeah. He's like, oh, I bet you know him. Some guy came out yelling, mom, dad, like there were his parents or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so Doug, Doug, just Doug's hands turn into dinosaur hands, which is just him wearing gloves. And mm -hmm. uh, he crashes through the confessional thing and kills him very graphically. Um, he goes and tells Carol that he killed Frankie. She thanks him a lot because now she's, you know, no longer under his pimpitude, 
I don't know what to call that. Um, and uh, during this, I can't, I can't. I, I don't know. I didn't know what. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, oh man! During I this ex- wound up though. Keep going. During this exchange, um, Carol says, "I don't know much about God." To which Doug replies, "I don't know much about dinosaurs." <laughs> Again, just excellent line. Um, during this scene, uh, there's a lot of very romantic cuts and sort of you know sexy eyes from one of them to the other, and then they just high five. Which again, yep. I was like, "This movie's amazing." A hundred percent. Um, and then there is a workout slash murder montage of Doug working out and then also learning to like get control of his dinosaur powers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, at, at some point he kills a guy for littering in the park. Cool. Um, right. There's also an obligatory 1980s fist pump in the workout montage. <laughs> um, and then we cut to a little bit of revealing what the actual plot's going to be. Cause it's not just an adventure of him going around killing litterers. Um, it cuts to sort of a, a ninja camp with pretty much only white ninjas. Like they're very clearly just white guys in sketchers. Um, and uh, that's basically just to establish, Hey, here it, it shows us the main bad guy. We get a little bit of exposition, but it's not important until later. So um, we cut back to the church and uh, Doug is, you know, he's been missing some things at church, you know, while fighting crime and Father Stewart's getting concerned with him. And he basically, you know, gets him to confess, I have these powers now. I can turn to a dinosaur. I can actually help people, you know, at least, you know, in his mind. And there's at some point an obligatory joke, I guess, I guess it's obligatory about priests being gay. Um, cause I, I think Doug yeah. says I'm different. It was subtle, right? Yeah. Well, uh, it was, I think Doug says mm-hmm. I'm different referring to his newfound powers to which father Stewart replies. That's okay, Doug. A lot of people in the church are, and then Doug cuts him off and he's like, no, not like that. Um, so we're going to move on from that. Um, mm-hmm. yep. D- and during most of this scene, father Stewart is drinking the communion wine as well. Uh, um, yeah, then there's, uh, you know, when Doug is sort of trying to justify his actions to father Stewart saying, you know, I, I can, you know, punish people. He's like, what if these powers are a gift from God and quotes a couple different Bible verses about like punishing the wicked or something. And at one point, father Stewart says, God does not want people dead. And then in my notes, I literally have LOL. Has he read the old Testament? Isn't that most of what God did? I, like after Genesis was like again, people? not a I'm not, not again. A I'm not scholar, a Bible scholar. No, yeah. Not my understanding all, is that the Old Testament there's like there's a lot go, you know not a whole lot of things that would normally be considered you know good Christian uh, morals are going on there within the Old Testament. Well, I mean, Christ wasn't born yet. It's, well, the, you know it's the Old Testament. Anyway, there you go. Um, I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> so um, mom i'm not sorry i don't remember how we get to this but we get to a flashback of doug um and well, some things on. from Just his really life. quick with a sure. flashback this happens more than once it does i don't understand how these fla- how any of these flashbacks happen they go on for several minutes they and do. I, don't, I don't understand how any of them happened or why they happened 
they were funny usually. But just I think the I think for this one, were... the one later makes absolutely no sense. But I loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it when we get there. Um, but this one I think was uh, about just establish, establishing a bit of Doug's backstory about why he wanted to become a priest, and then his parents dropping him off at quote priest college. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, during this time, and it's very important, uh, Doug's parents refer to him as their only son. And, you know, his dad tells when they drop him off at priest college, uh, tell him how, how proud of him they are for, you know, wanting to help people. Yes. So d- during that entire exchange, Father Stewart decided that Doug needed to have an exorcism because clearly there was some demon inside of him that was causing him to do this. Which, you so, know, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a very reasonable thing to do. If I were a priest, that's probably what I would have done as well. So they, you know, Doug, for whatever reason, just goes with him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So they go see somebody that Father Stewart knew from Vietnam because apparently Father Stewart was in the Vietnam War. And because we're talking about Vietnam, there's another flashback. And th- these are within a couple seconds, of e- or probably a minute, two minutes of each other. So we have a Vietnam flashback with Father Stewart in, in the same forest that we've seen a couple times. <laughs> and Father Stewart, despite this being presumably close to 40, maybe 50 years prior to this, Father Stewart is the exact same. He's just wearing a shaggy blonde wig. Yep. Um, and so basically... Just goes through his, a little bit of his time in Vietnam, including his war buddy Ali, and uh, basically Father Stewart establishes that he had a wife that he was going to start a family when he got home, and Ali was like, "You're going to have five kids, eleven kids, and you're going to name one of them after me." Yep, war buddy Ali, the only guy to go through the war without a scratch. And then immediately and, gets shot and killed. <laughs> and right, even though, right in front of him. Yeah, right, yeah. In, right in front of Father Stewart. During the time while he is laying on the ground dead, he's, he has a cigarette in his mouth and he continues to smoke it. Like he's just <laughs> actively blowing smoke out of his mouth when he's supposed to be dead, which again, I thought was hilarious. Um, he's, you know, they, they buried Ali and there's a couple other soldiers around. And then as Father Stewart is mourning his, his war buddy... <laughs> His wife. This might be the best part of the movie. His wife, who is for some reason in Vietnam, comes running to him, calling his name. It's going to be a great moment. Right as she's about to jump in his arms, she steps on a grenade and gets blown up and explodes blood all over him. (laughs) And the other soldiers, like, wonder aloud. They were like, hmm, I wonder what she was doing in Vietnam. I guess we'll we'll never know. And they were like, yeah, I don't think there's anything we can do for her now. She looks <laughs> yeah. pretty far gone at this point. Yeah. As there is As, nothing but blood. No. I think I think she had an arm. I think there was an arm. Maybe it's there was not much actual body left. At no. This point. Um it literally looks time, like somebody took like a, a vat of like thickened red water or like like a five gallon drum and just splashed it right on the front of of Father Stewart. Like his entire yep. front is covered in in this fake blood not just the whole little, time he's like, just standing there he's yeah. just standing there not saying anything just it yeah <laughs> that 
I, I I don't have words for that one. Just the like the fake build up to something it was magical. So, oh, it was so funny. Like like mm-hmm. I said, there was yep. no reason for this Vietnam scene to be in here because I think no. I, I so it how it starts nothing to the plot. As no, far as I can not at all. Um, so how it started was you know like I like I said the guy doing the exorcism who apparently used to be a priest. They mentioned that, like, I think in one line, and that's it. But uh, Father Stewart knew him from the war. And then I think he says, I haven't seen Altair, the name of the guy doing the exorcism, since the war. And then goes to the flashback. So they cut back to the present. Uh, they're doing the exorcism, and which brings out the dinosaur in, uh, in Doug, turns him into the dinosaur. He rips out one of Father Stewart's eyes, runs away, and Altair just laughs maniacally, and we never see him again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, although the exorcist guy, I really enjoyed. I thought he was a really funny character as well. I but, mean, the exorcist guy looks like if you were going to have someone play the character of Satan. Oh yeah, he just looks like Satan. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, I've done that on that. Just Satan. Let's see. So my notes aren't particularly helpful for what happens next. It just says an Australian ninja question mark. Um, yeah, like, I mean, so here, here's the, the thing is that I, there's a decent amount of this movie at this point that just starts to blend together where people are doing bad things. And then he turns into a velociraptor and kills it. Like it. Yep. There was at this point there is, and if you want to say there's a lull in the movie, it's probably around here. You know, somewhere yeah. between like halfway to two thirds into the movie where it's like, hey, okay. We're seeing a lot of the same things happening again. And so you would be forgiven if uh, your notes were not entirely clear because my memory certainly is not clear either. No. Um, Let's see. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I think as he's escaping the exorcism, he's attacked by ninjas, one of whom is Australian. Um, And one of them, who I think is the only, you know, not, not that, you know, ninjas have to be Asian, but I think who is the person who's the only person of Asian descent who is a ninja in the movie um, is off sort of daydreaming while the Australian ninja just sort of talking in the background. And at one point in the background, I think the only line that I could actually hear the Australian say was, I'm pretty sure dinosaurs can't look up. Sure. Um, yeah, fine. All, all three of them die very quickly to Velociraptor Doug. Um, Velocipastor Doug. Yes. So Doug returns to Carol because he doesn't have anywhere else to go at this point because he thinks that he killed Father Stewart. Um, and he's basically like, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to fight crime. Um, and to which this is, this is when the clothed sex scene happens featuring a, a, another very, very good song. The, like I said, the music in this movie is very good. Um, and that that's completely unironic. I really, really enjoy the soundtrack to this movie. Uh, this was the one song that stuck out to me. Um, I usually with things like that, I have to watch a movie a few times to get a real good sense of it. Mm-hmm. But def- this one particular song that goes on during the, you know, the implied sex scene is, is yeah. like, it was like, oh, that's a banger. I would, yeah. like, I would listen to that. Like, I want to, well, I'm not going to finish that sentence, but like, you know, oh I want to listen to that song. Um, during this, you know, montage of a implied sex scene, there's also like a recreation of like the famous, like Michelangelo, like hand reaching for God. <laughs> yeah, yes. Thing. I forgot about that, but yes. So funny. Um, anyway, 
they cut to the next morning. Ninjas break into the into Carol's bedroom. They beat them. You know, Carol and Doug, without turning into a Velociraptor, somehow beat the ninjas. Uh, and even though they're all, all three ninjas are already unconscious, Carol then does like a superhero pose where she's like squatting with one hand on the ground and one hand up, sort of like Black mm-hmm. Widow commonly does, um, and then just stands up. So everything's fine. Um, and uh, then they they kiss, and then it cuts back to the ninja camp for a little more exposition. So the bad guy. Like, the bad guy plot in this movie, which has not been clear up to this point, is established because we see Father Stewart in this camp. We don't know how he got there, and that's also never explained how he ended up in this camp. But he wakes up with it's an eye important. patch. No. Yes. Wakes up with an eye patch because D- Doug did actually rip out his eye. Like, that happened. Um, wakes up in this camp with the big bad guy, who Father Stewart speaks to him in English, and the bad guy speaks back in what I think is supposed to be Mandarin, but like it also granted, I do not speak Mandarin and some of it sounded good or like, like an actual language. Other parts did not. Um, but I think it's supposed to be Mandarin. And even though they are not speaking the same language, they just kind of understand each other. Like there's no translator. There's one speaks one language, one speaks another, and they just go back and forth like a normal conversation. Sure. Even though it's established that the bad guy does speak English later. <laughs> um, and so the whole bad guy plot is to get the city hooked on cocaine, cut off the supply so that they will turn to help groups held at the church, converting them to Christianity because the bad guys are also Christian. This feels like a very odd, and I just taught this a, a month or two ago in my class, this feels like a very odd version of the opium wars that took place in China. Kind of? Like, yeah. Like, it, it, you know, obviously, like, no, not really. But no. Like, a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, that that is the bad guy's plot. And obviously, Father Stewart, you know, being pretty much the only, like, decent character in the movie. <laughs> and to um, be clear, decent. He seems like an alcoholic. But, so, you know, fine. He seems... Right. Fine. He also is casually drinking the communion wine. But, yeah. um basically was like no you can't do this that's not what Christ, you know christianity is about um and then the bad guy kills him like for real this time and so uh yeah i i, I guess that's the the inciting plot of the movie <laughs> <laughs> um cut back to doug and carol in carol's bedroom and there's a doug voiceover that says Good thing that ninja told us where the hideout was before he died, which he did not. We see him die. Like, Doug asks him, why are you attacking us? And he says, I'll never tell you, and then dies. But it's good thing that ninja Mm -hmm. told us where the hideout was before he died. In my notes, parentheses, he did no such thing. I was going to say, I, I was lost here and I was just willing to write it off, but I, I'm glad I was not alone. No, you were not. Which, which I And I don't know if that was a, oh... We didn't think about that. We shot it wrong and we don't want to go back and reshoot it. Or if they did it on purpose, either one is, right. is equally plausible. I'm actually leaning toward they did it on purpose. But um, I, so they, I get believe the, that. they get to the hideout. Because now, like I said, uh, Doug is inspired, wants to fight crime. He has nunchucks for some reason. Instead of just turning into a dinosaur immediately. I don't know. 
Um, and so we've seen the, the main sidekick of the big bad guy, uh, who I believe on Wikipedia is listed as Sam the White Ninja. That is the name of his character. <laughs> sure. And uh, let's see. Sam, this ninja, reveals himself to actually be Doug's brother. Dun, dun, dun. Which, which brings us back to a callback. This is one of the only flashbacks I understood. Yes, so it cuts back to the couple of scenes that Doug had a flashback before uh, with him and his parents. And it just like sort of pans away because one of the scenes is Sam and his parents at like a dinner table, not saying anything, but just like laughing, you know, having a general good time with one empty plate. And then it sort of just pans and you see Sam just sort of standing off to the side, not with the family. Doesn't the dad at one point say, like, you're my only son or something yeah, to that so effect? Yeah, when they, so okay. when they drop Doug off at priest college. Oh, that was at the um, car. Okay, okay. Yeah, Doug gets out of the car uh, after, you know, his dad says, you're my only son. I'm so proud of you. So Doug gets out of the car, and then Sam was crouching in the back the whole time. And so he just pops his head up, looking sad and angry. Uh, <laughs> so he was there the whole time, and... I think he's the most sympathetic character and also one of the best because throughout every time you see him, he's trying to like perfect an evil laugh and it's just really bad at it, which I, I thought that running joke throughout the movie, because this is the third or fourth time that we've seen him and he does it's that endearing. every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very endearing. I liked him a lot. Um, so he has a sword, which he says uh, was from his ancestors. Okay. Uh, but throws it down because he says I, the, the, the sword was given to me by my ancestors and I don't want to taint it with your blood or something to that effect. Doug fights Sam while Carol, who can also suddenly fight, like we never see her training at all, but she fights three other ninjas while Doug is fighting just Sam. Yes. Doug, the person that is also a velociraptor in addition to being a pastor. Just take out one. Yep. So they fight for a little bit and then Sam goes to get the sword anyway, but then Doug just like reaches his hand out and the sword flies into his hand. And Doug says, of course it does. Your ancestors are my ancestors because obviously they're brothers. (laughs) I was going to say, but that's never explained. That was like, it's supposed to be like a real deep line that comes at the end of the film that like, you know, Luke, I am your father. Like, (laughs) but it's just like, no, we have the same parents. Like, you know, our parents banged and then like, you know, a couple years later, they well, banged again. Like, see, that, that's I, the thing that I, you know, that's whatever. The thing with the sword. So Sam like sticks it in the ground. So the point is in the ground. And so it's not like, you know, he threw it at Doug. Like it's stuck in the ground. Doug reaches his hand out and it flies from the ground into his hand. And that is just never brought up again. Sure. Um, I don't know why that's the problem I have with this movie. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, God, where am I in my notes? Um, he kills Sam. It's so like, for real, just straight up kills him. And, you know, Carol, who has been fighting these three other ninjas the whole time, gets stabbed by a really tall ninja who comes out. You know how there's always, like, I think in the first Indiana Jones movie, there's like a really big guy who, you know, th- that that whole shtick of, like, the single big bad guy who's, like, a foot taller than everybody else. Uh, right. You know the one. Yeah. Carol gets stabbed by him. 
And as Sam or as as uh, Doug runs over to her, holds her in his arms, and she essentially dies. Uh, all of the ninjas sort of like hug each other in the background and are sad because she's a protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the loss of his loved one is what finally makes Doug turn into a dinosaur. He fights and defeats all the rest of the ninjas, and then the big bad guy comes out. But really quickly, this dinosaur suit. We'll talk about it a little bit more after after I go through the synopsis, because this is I want to throw a little bit of paleontology in, in this episode. Um, <laughs> there's a big hole because this is I couldn't tell if this was a suit that was bought or one that was made. It could go either way. I don't really know, but there's a big hole like between the legs that you like put the suit over top of you in. Right. And so Liz pauses the movie and says, is that a cloaca? And I just look at her. I know we've talked about this before, but we have remind me here. So a cloaca is the single like multi-purpose orifice that most animals have or most, most vertebrates have. So um, it is used in, in the animals that have it for making babies Peeing and pooping is, is a multi-purpose orifice. Yes, so that's it, right. it, it splits on the inside, obviously. It's not all the same tubes. Um, but I just look at her and I was like, that's an excellent joke. I'm very proud of you. Um, <laughs> so, oh, also, I Doug is not actually the person in the suit. It's not the same actor. It's a different guy. And I'm like... Is it really? It is. And I was like, man, I would... If I'm doing this, I would just I would want to do it, you know. I'm like I'm right. If I'm going to be the main guy, I'm also going to be the guy in the suit. Um, and up until this point in the movie, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a whole lot of like shots of like you know the hand or the claw or just the head. Like we don't really get a full body shot of you know the Velociraptor until once, once this or very twice. But end. it's really dark. It's really dark. Right. Real, uh, I think the dark, only time quick. that we yeah. Whereas like right here, you get like the full like oh this is. Mm, it's just a guy running around in a suit and it's not good (laughs) somebody went to a spirit halloween on like november 2nd and picked up a discount dinosaur costume and see i i think it's much more like they went to a halloween city on new year's day and just crawled around in the dumpster like Mm -hmm. that's the level of suit that this is but it's still it's still really funny um yes but so doug beats all the ninjas it's just him and the big bad guy big bad guy shoots him with an arrow that disables his powers and turns him back to a human. And here is the only bit of like lore or like reason at all for any of this that has happened. So while he's sort of monologuing as villains do, he says that in ancient China, many people could turn into dinosaurs and that they developed this anti-venom to fight back against them. And that the, and that fossils are the remains of that great war. Sure. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yep. And so this whole time, Doug, he shot Doug in the leg. So he couldn't, he was alive, but he couldn't walk. And so the bad guy walks up to him, about to stab him with a, a couple of arrows with like the, the anti-venom and presumably just stabbing somebody with an arrow is probably enough to kill them. Um, you think? Any last words? And Doug says, "Only six. I think <laughs> my hand. I think my hands are immune, and because mm-hmm. the entire time you couldn't really see his hands, and so his hands were still dinosaur hands. 
and he reaches up and grabs the neck of big bad guy and just rips his head off which is now a mm-hmm. mannequin head but this guy had like very big bushy eyebrows and a mustache or, or maybe like a soul patch or something some kind of facial hair and right. he is like holding it as, as there's a also a body squirting blood everywhere so he's drenching himself in blood <laughs> <laughs> um, screaming mm-hmm. and there's also I'm pretty sure that actor for the big bad guy which was just out of frame also screaming because you can also hear the big bad guy screaming even though it's a mannequin head and a dummy body <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then a Gandhi quote comes on the screen there's there's like a still of him covered in blood holding up this mannequin head and then a Gandhi quote comes on screen I don't remember what it was it probably wasn't even by Gandhi about like the only way to eliminate uh, the only way to get world peace is to eliminate violence or something to that Some, effect. Yeah, something to that effect. Um, well, the next, <laughs> as, quote, who knows? We're not I have find no out. idea. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to question it. Um, and then, so he drops the head. He, he won. He defeated the bad guy. And then just says, oh, Carol. And runs over yep. to Carol. And then we cut to a hospital. Mm-hmm. Doug is waiting in the waiting room. Doctor comes in, tells Doug that Carol's fine. And then, while he's explaining this to him, picks up an ashtray, <laughs> picks a cigarette butt out of it, puts it in his mouth, and lights it up and just smokes it in the waiting room. Like, just a cigarette butt that was in an ashtray. <laughs> yep. As as a doctor. Um, that I that was a nice, subtle, uh, you know, I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Used, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Carol is fine. Very famously, they reiterate that several times, including with some on-screen text. Um, yep. But I thought it was so funny. So instead of being like an actual like hospital bed, like you would think somebody would be in as, if they were stabs, they were literally just in like, uh, if you ever went to like the nurse in high school, er, in elementary school, high school, it was literally like that room. So it was like the normal checkup room with like the wax paper on the bed. And so yep. there was the wax paper. Carol was wearing like a, a wax paper gown or something. Um, with a with a blood pressure cuff on, and that's all that she had. <laughs> She's fine, and you know they set off together on a crusade to rid the world of all these evil drug dealing church in like a montage people. at this point. It, yeah, s- sort of. They don't actually show them doing any of it, but it's sort of like the now now they have a mission to go do, and Finn. Uh, that's this movie. Mm-hmm. And what was it worth it for us to explain this to you over the last 55 minutes when you could have just watched it? Uh, cause it's an hour 10. No, no, it wasn't. Um, but was it fun? Was it fun for us though? It absolutely, absolutely. was. <laughs> it, it was worth it for me. <laughs> it was a hundred percent worth it for me just to be able to just be able to do that. Yeah. It was, I don't get to watch enough bad movies. I don't watch enough movies in general. But this was, mm, this was just a so good, one. so good. Um, so really quickly about the dinosaur. So I, there's really nothing much interesting to say about the dinosaur since it's literally a guy in a suit. Um, but I do want to point out a couple of things. So one, this was very much not like a velociraptor. It's just, <laughs> it's like a very old school like depiction of like a T-Rex, almost like Godzilla E, but with a much like longer snoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it had very flat, stompy feet. 
um, there was like a big hump behind its head, which is probably just where like the person in the suit's head was. <laughs> um, I was very confused by how they saw out of the suit. I didn't see any like visible holes or anything. Yeah, just just left that one alone. But but I mean, I was just impressed by you know this person if they were able to do any choreography, you know, because they did all the fight scenes. <laughs> so right. Um. But you know, basic incorrect old school dinosaur stuff. The tail was on the ground a lot. Um. And then obviously with the fossils thing, uh, that the the big bad guy says that's actually a very common thing maybe not that per se um but you know people who are creationists who don't believe you know that the earth is older than however many thousand years old otherwise known as people, people who are wrong do. right um they it is commonly said by people who you know believe in in those kinds of things that fossils are there from uh noah's flood like all the animals that are represented as fossils were alive before Noah's flood and that they died and were killed by the flood and became fossils. Mm-hmm. So that part is at least inspired by based on something that is said in the real world, not total nonsense. Well, yes, it is total <laughs> nonsense, but um, I was like, it's, I think everything was total nonsense. It's kind of like that disclaimer at the beginning of every South park, like any, yeah. <laughs> any actual connection any actual connection to science was a mistake we didn't mean it like this was <laughs> no and so i thought that there would the, the reason why i picked this movie and so like i said look up at least the poster for it because um it makes it look like there's actually might be like cg in this movie or like an actual like decent fight scene uh or or anything there wasn't um but that's why I picked this movie because I'm like, oh, if they have like a CG dinosaur, I can actually, you know, say interesting science things about the dinosaur. Nah. <laughs> nope, just wasn't the case. <laughs> um, so was there any scientific value to this episode of the podcast? Not even a little no. bit. No, not not even a little. Um, but did, did Mike and I have fun? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I said, I'm going was... to rewatch this movie every now and then. Because this kind of dumb slapstick almost humor is is right up my alley. And it is best watched with other people. I unfortunately yeah. uh, I would watch it alone. Um if you if you're together with some buddies, I don't know, next time you know, maybe at Gavin's wedding, we can uh, <laughs> we we can have a viewing of this or something, because I know quite a few people in our friend group that would get quite a kick out of out of whatever it was that we just spent the last hour talking about. Absolutely. So that's going to be it for this episode. Um, if you're still here, I appreciate you. I, I don't understand why you're still here. Um, Next week, we're getting back to some hardcore science. Yes, we I don't are. know what it is, but Gavin will do it for us. I sure will. It's going to be rather dense, actually, but it was a recommended topic. So uh, here we are. Uh, and here we will be next week. But for now... This has been episode 57 of I Wish You Were Dead, a podcast about things that used to be alive. My name is Mike and that is Gavin, and we will see you next Wednesday. This episode of I Wish You Were Dead was written by Gavin Davidson and hosted by Gavin Davidson, Mike Bryson, and Fenella Campanino. It was sound edited by Mike Bryson and edited for YouTube by Gavin Davidson. Special thanks to former guests of the pod and to listeners like you. 